that. Let me get a test. Testing. I don't have to talk like in it, in it right? No, I can just adjust. You just I can talk. pull it close, though. Yeah, you can pull it Hello. close. Hello. Yeah, I got you. Testing. <laughs> All right. Let's go for me one. All right. So welcome to another episode of Everything Cool. The tourists come over to chill on the beach But they don't come over the hill where we sleep We got nightmares and they got fantasies No sanity, it's just insanity My mommy hoping nothing happens to me Close to 100. We we marching slowly closer, but we have another, you know, great grind episode today with a very interesting guest. Y'all ain't believe who it is. I can just reveal it, you know, because obviously y'all getting accustomed to me having the switching board and the mixer on the table. But you know, if you've been through this whole journey with me, you know I do everything. So. Introducing this lovely guest on to the left of me. Please introduce yourself, Mom. Hey, everybody. I go by the name of Isdia, Princess to the Islands. You know the vibes. The Princess to the yeah. Islands. <laughs> All right, Dia. I feel like we've known each other for over a decade. I don't know. if I wouldn't say no, but it's like we share so much mutual people. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like I've been aware of you for... Well, it's 2013. It's 2023. So it's it's almost going on like 15 years because you would have went to, we wouldn't have went to the same high school, but like two cousins I have graduated with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it's like, because (laughs) all of us grew up around the same time, it was like, oh, I'd have seen you at this function, Mm -hmm. this place and that place. So I know, well, I really, really, Tell us. No, before we even go into all of that, we have a tradition on the show. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, you have the, we have the Bayman word, phrase, or saying of the day. And we always give that opportunity to our guests to give us the Bayman word, phrase, or saying of the day. And we mm-hmm. give that to you. A word, phrase, or saying of the day? Yeah. See they saying? See they saying. Didn't you have that before? <laughs> huh? I think we have that before. For the international audience, tell us what exactly that means. See, like saying, I mean, for me, uh-huh. every time I speak and I express myself like in a deep way, I have to, I could be talking regularly and just explaining something and it j- just automatically is coming out. I just be like, see, they saying, because if I'm explaining like how something gone or a story or. So it's like a, you understand. Like me. you understand. Yeah. See how that go. Yeah. You see, they saying. You see yeah, they saying. Yeah. You could say it in so much different ways, you know? You see yeah. they saying? You see they saying. You see they saying, though? See they saying? Yeah, like, I am yeah. a person that is... I don't feel like I use that a lot, but I know a lot of friends that, like, when they, like, rap it to me, like, 
Mm-hmm. They selling me a situation. See they saying da 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 da. See, see they saying. Like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Right? <laughs> it's Listen. the most overlooked phrase in yeah. the Bahamas. I feel like it really is because people use it as sentence fillers to where it's like I'm conveying a particular thought, but I'll tell you something and then follow it up with see they saying it's like mm-hmm. I listening, bro. Like, yeah. like don't mind me doing whatever. <laughs> I was like, don't. I'm like I'm listening. I fully understand it, but it's like. Hey, just to make sure, you know, you getting what I'm saying. Mm, see, they say, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I love it. So, back to what I was originally saying. So, tell us, give us a little bit about your origin story, because I know you from before. It's the idea train or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there may be many that doesn't. Uh, how far back? I mean, let's go back to, I guess, early childhood, growing up in the Bahamas, going okay. to school. Um, I grew up um, in Carmichael. In Carmichael. Yeah. You, you, you never live in Coral Level? No, I never live in Coral Level. I grew up in Carmichael. Okay. I grew up in Carmichael. I never live in Coral. I used to be in Coral Level mm. um, through the high school times. But I, I was born and raised in Carmichael. I went to Gerald Cash Primary School. Um... When I was a kid, I was like super focused on like schoolwork because like when I was young, I had there was this one time I was like five or six and I had this friend who like was treating me a type of way and acting a type of way or whatever. And I came home and I was confused as to why, you know, this friend of mine is acting like this. You know? What do you mean by that? Like, you know, like what we talk about now is uh-huh. like adults, like when we speak about like friends that kind of gaslight you. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, they're your friends, but they still jealous and they have this they, envious that energy. That that they really your friend. Yeah, you know what I mean? But yeah. as a kid, I'm thinking this is my friend. So yeah. this was happening to me like when I was like five, six. So I asked oh. my dad about it and he was like, um, the type of person that you are, this is going to happen to you throughout your entire life. So you have to like prepare yourself. So that was like a big, recognition for me in my childhood and then I started like focusing on my schoolwork like heavy because I wanted to get a scholarship so I could get out of Gerald Cash and go to a private school and then get another scholarship and go to college so I could get out of the Bahamas and bring something back and make you know I had this whole plan when I was like a kid mm-hmm. so that was my childhood I used to walk home from Gerald Cash go to the library on the corner I used to read like a gazillion bucks a day walk home to my homework. I grew up regular right in Carmichael, Joe McKinney. Mm. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on around where I grew up. Um, you know, but I, I would say that I grew up, my parents was great parents. Mm. You know, I was really close to my dad, really close to Cause, my mommy. Because so. people would think you grew up with tanks. Just because they see the final version right now, but they ain't understand. Like, no, I ain't grow up with tanks. People think that, like yeah, people, yeah. people think that because I took time to really. No, because they see the final product. They see the product, but all of that was like grooming. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you mm. really tick me, you could get aside of me. See, mm. you know, like if you really tick me, but like, like I said, coming from Gerald Cash, I could have. Uh, I could have gone, but you know, back then, I don't see nothing. I feel like the government school program is better than private school. But no, back but you then, know, our parents used to put a stigma on The stigma on, yeah, like, you yeah. know, you got to go to private school. So I was so focused. 
And then I just, I just decided to mold myself and transform. That's when I got into pageantry. Mm. That was my first form of transformation. I always was a poet and I would like write stuff down or I would like be on stage for like spelling bees and stuff like anything I could do to get on stage, speech competition, stuff like that. Mm. I would do. Then I got into pageantry in ninth grade. That was my first time. So what school you was at? At grade in grade nine. Oh, I went to QC. I got a scholarship to QC. Actually, no, I didn't get the scholarship. We went, I went there in seventh grade. I was too late for the scholarship entries. Okay. And I went there in seventh grade and my dad was like, yeah, we can pay the school fees. So we got there. Wasn't able to pay it. So I had like a bunch of awards and stuff straight through because I was valedictorian in general cash. I had like a bunch of awards. So my dad, he always used to teach me like people only can tell you no. You know what I mean? So I just took all my awards and I copied them and I put them in this binder. And I went to, I set a meeting with all of the heads of QC mm. at the time, like the principal and the vice principal and stuff. And we had like a whole meeting and I made a proposal as to why they have to find a scholarship for me, like a grant or something, because I wasn't prepared to leave that school. And then I got the grant. And that's how I was able to stay at QC. Mm. That's very powerful. So you see, I like I like getting the early origin stuff because sometimes you realize later on in life how where certain energy or certain mentalities come from, then you realize you really had this in you from decades ago. And it's just like you might have hide it for some years, or you might not have needed certain experiences or certain mentality for a certain amount of time, but then you could pull from your past self, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, that's how it was. Granted, I lost the scholarship in the end of ninth grade, I think. I never knew why. They just told me. I write suspicions and stuff, but I didn't see, mm-hmm. you know? And they just told me they couldn't. So I had no idea where the grant was coming from, really and truly. Maybe someone who was paying it couldn't pay it no more at the time. Mm-hmm. I know. But... We still find a way to get it done. People mm. used to call me vacation girl in high school. Because when school fee time come up, I'd go on vacation, you know, call all my teachers, get my homework. My dad, he had this, a stall downtown. He's a taxi driver at the time. So I used to go in the taxi with him, tell we make up, pay the school fee, go back to school. And then I graduated, went to UB. I got a scholarship to UB because I had BGCSEs from like 10th grade. Like I had a lot. Thanks yeah. to QC. Because that's when I think that's when I entered the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, like, even though it's sort of fuzzy, but it was like, I know we all used to congregate under the gizzy. But I think before that, because like 12th grade, yeah, that's when, because I think me, Craig, and Gadero had a conversation about this last year where it was like, gee, I see Gadero and Craig in ages. They, they just be here all the time. But we had a conversation was like, but I sometimes forget you ain't graduated. So I was like, yeah, because I used to come around because Chris and Kadeem and they was be like, I would be with them. And then mm-hmm. when you all have your wife, I'll just pop up. And that's how I know everybody. everybody. So like, you know, so and then obviously, you know, in different scenarios is like other mutual people and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, um, yeah, but at UB, we was always like, the gazebo crew. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, I, I mean, I never, I wasn't as outspoken as I am now back then, but it was like, I just was around. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so you be, 
because you know college is always the transformative years like to where we really find who we are as individuals or i mean i don't think it's the completion of that but mm-hmm. more so it's like we sort of how England's aware, like, okay, am I want to go in this direction? Like, yeah. Tell me, talk about that. Because I know after, well, not really trying to get ahead, but I know for what I was, I was, I was in, in sort of in tune with home between like 2012 and 2017 because I was abroad during that time. Mm-hmm. So take me through that process, those years. The college process? Yeah. Well... I went to UB. I had a scholarship to UB. I wasn't really like doing much in UB because even though like I had switched schools, I had friends and stuff like at QC. But most of my friends was like people who was who I was friends with before QC. Like mm. people who had children. You know what I mean? So when I was going to college, like there was a lot of transformations for me like during that year because when I was younger coming into high school, like I'd get teased for like, you know what I mean? Like catching the bus or like, I remember one time when y'all asked me if I can get raped catching the bus. You know, I ain't grade seven. I come with all these dreams, I think. And, you know, so that was strange to me. And then I didn't have the things that the other people at the school had. Mm-hmm. So like, my dad used to take me shopping and thing. Like if I, if it was a dance or something, but we used to go Maka Max and Solomon's. You say saying that time I got my best Max life. Right now. <laughs> I still <laughs> shop in Maka Max. Uh, my mama, I shop in Maka Max. Like, and I, I go to the tailor. I always say like it ain't about what you're buying is how you wear it's it. It's how you put that yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, like, you know? Let me tell you something. That that was the changing point for me in college because back then, you know, I'm young and I'm vulnerable. So I just used to not care, but deep down inside, you still care. Yeah. But when I got to like college time and I start to realize how like actually stupid it was, like I always thought it was stupid, but then I start to realize how actually stupid it was because in college I was working downtown, my people... I was coming to class and thing, but I wasn't really like, I was focused on trying to make some money for mm. real. Cause I know you used to see me hanging up in the sub. Yeah. By the domino thing. Yeah. <laughs> I used to like duck. Like I just wasn't on that run. Like I was. What you was even studying? I was studying. I went to school to study law, but see like when I was young and I was so, so smart, everybody used to tell me you should be a lawyer. So I hadn't really. I hadn't really opened up the fact that I'm an actual artist yet. Uh, okay. You know what I mean? So I doing these things, but I actually want to be it. Like I'm smart as hell, but yeah. I have a creative side. And when you're creative, you just want to be dumb sometimes. Like you don't be on that, that, um, con, con, conformant. Like, Conforming. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't be into that sometimes. So when I got older, college was like that for me. So, that wasn't working out. And boy, come on, mash up one night. I was doing oh, good no. in school or whatever. <laughs> I was doing good though. Uh, but I come on, mash up or whatever. And my dad was like, oh, you know, Bahama about to open. You know what you need to do. You need to go apply for that Chinese government scholarship and go to China and come back and translate. And then you could be making money for real. You know? So I then let the law go because I wasn't on that run. The math was irritating me, honestly. I want to do it because I want to do it. I had gotten over the fact of somebody, like, you know. So I was focused on going to China. My dad was like, you'd be really successful, Barbara. We applied. We got the full scholarship. 
I lost a lot of friends during that period. And yeah, such as life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of people dropped. Because, like, people used to, like, tease me for, like, going to China. And it's like, girl, like, you're in the China. Like, what you mean? Like, oh, the hell. That's all that really mattered to me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get a full scholarship in the States. So You was in the States? No, I didn't get a full scholarship. Okay. I applied, but I didn't get a full one. Okay. But we wasn't capable of paying mm-hmm. Fasha. So mm-hmm. it's like, I got a full scholarship, stipend. Everything I I'm like bro, this opportunity a lifetime. Because I think you know it only matters when because I always implore everybody to get away from where you grew up for a time so you could broaden your perspective. Mm-hmm. So then, if you choose to come back, you look at things in a whole different way. You like, oh okay, I see the plus, I see the the minus, and it's like okay, I know how to move now because yeah, you know. Sorry. No, that's good. Welcome to Everything Cool where the most random things has happened. <laughs> Why? Uh, it's been times where lizards have crawled on this, not on this set, but in other situations. Time. Or like someone shouting up from outside <laughs> or, or some weird thing. Listen. Uh, Let me. Okay. Uh, it's uh, on silent now. Oh, man. No, you good. <laughs> yeah, but, but, I don't answer what I say, you know. So, but okay, so you went to China. So, how was China? Because I've I've had different people tell me, but I have always heard good things about people doing school in China. It, it was like a wave at that time. I don't know if that's still going on today, but I think, like, I guess between 2014 and 2017, it was a lot of Bahamians that went off to China to go to school or finish school and, you know. Um, China, when I went to China, it wasn't over him still. Mm. <laughs> it was in where I was, at least. Um, there was a, probably about six of us that went on the Chinese government scholarship. I went to Wuhan. So when I went to Wuhan, I was the only Bahamian there. And it was like a country that, it was a city that was just growing at the time. Mm. Um, so there was people from all over the world. I was the only Bahamian. There was probably like two Americans. And then, because I went in 2011. Okay. So everybody that started coming, they started coming out of nowhere because there was a wave going on when I think that, I think Dunbar, if I'm correct. Yeah. Had, had Mr. Dunbar had open ways for Bahamians to yeah. go down there self-paid. See, mm-hmm. the ones that when we went, it was just Chinese government. Because the Chinese government have that scholarship in all countries around the world. Mm-hmm. So when you go to college on the scholarship, you stay in dorms with everybody that's on the scholarship. Mm-hmm. And there's people from like all over the world. So I was the only Bahamian in my dorm. Mm-hmm. But after the self-paid stuff started opening up, then it was like a big that's, that's what I know. Because I was like, nowadays you'd be like, well, I went to school in China. I know um, a couple of my friends, some of my colleagues I work with. Uh, I know uh, Relish from Relish Socks. Mm-hmm. Like him and his wife met in China. So it was like mm-hmm. this whole thing. Yeah. But we, I mean, the first thing is, I surprised more people don't talk about or sort of document the Bahamian that went to China and come back. Because you speak, let me tell you something. When you go to China, mm. life, life, it's like you have a different home. It's almost like a different universe. Because mm-hmm. you only come home probably, if you got money, you coming home once a year. 
I mean, more than once a year. But mm. if you like chilling, you might never come home probably every three years. Or you might come home once a summer for like two weeks. You know what I mean? And then you're back in China. It's mm. a completely different culture, completely different world. So I think people, like I speaking for myself, I forget to even like share them things because it was so amazing. It's like the experience really, I don't think I would have been able to expand or myself as an artist or even like, you know what I mean? Be able to capture certain elements of culture in my music without that experience. Because I was friends with like, had African friends, Zambia, Kenya, Sudan, Madagascar, Arabia, like Samoa. Like it's just so much different. When you have talent shows at school, like imagine Korea coming and doing K-pop, like, you know, like, so mm. it's so much different influence. And I feel like when people go to China, like, You'll be, it's a completely different lifestyle, especially as a, a, a student. It's a lifestyle. Like you be partying, going to class, parties going on every night. Like the system, even if you have like, it's just a whole different world, a whole different community. And sometimes you forget to tap in with home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's so far away. And the time, the time's on too. Yeah. Cause it's like seven hours. Yeah. 12 hours. 12 hours. So when you party and your people sleeping, so imagine you trying to balance a, a long distance relationship in China and the Western world. It's impossible. You was trying to do that? Not me. Oh, that's what I'm saying. No, sir. <laughs> Child, thank God. Thank God my relationship went south like two weeks before I went to China because uh, I it's like, to break somebody hard. Yeah, because it's like but that wouldn't even make sense at the time because it's like you all the way 12 hours ahead. You in a whole different country. Mm-hmm. And then you barely coming back home. Like, And then is, talking is difficult because when they when they chilling at 8 o'clock, you in class. Yeah. Unless you have an open relationship type of situation. But yeah, that's a story for another day. <laughs> that's not my type of party. For the record, that's not my type of oh, So tell me about um, what year you came back home. I came back home in 2000, 2011. I came back home for like four months because I didn't get my diploma yet. Um, 2016, and then I left for another six months, came back 2017. I just want to get your, t- uh, your take on this. I am realizing... That 2017 was a very magical year in the country. Really? Yeah, because I came back home mm-hmm. short, like December 2016 going to 2017. And I feel like a lot of the new businesses that we see now, like everybody was like on their entrepreneurial mm-hmm. type tip 2017 yeah. and the grants and this flowing and mm-hmm. rediscovering. And it was like the artistry boom. And it was like this whole new wave of entrepreneurs and artists and new faces. That's true. Like, when you think about it, 2017 was a magical year in retrospect. That's when spoken spoken words started to emerge. Yeah, that's when the first time I saw you and I didn't even know you was a spoken word artist. I didn't know I was a spoken word artist. Mm. I used to to perform, Michael Pinto was my favorite poet when I was in high school. And I, from when I was a kid, I used to represent the school at the the National Arts Festival. Mm. I was just good at it. And then in high school, I took it seriously because my dad trained me in like memory on it, which is like, I don't recite anything that I do. Mm. 
It, it always have to be even speeches and stuff. I'd have to memorize it, memorize how to say it, just that, and then do it over and over all night until I get it. And that, I was just good at it. Then in high school, I started doing it. So when I came back, I met D'Angelo, Harsh Reality. Mm-hmm. I met him when I was- um, That's when he did the miscellaneous tour? No, this was before that. Oh, this was before the miscellaneous. This was before okay. miscellaneous. I met D'Angelo. I was um, interested in politics at the time. Mm. So I think I I met D'Angelo when I was helping out with a campaign because I had been interested in being groomed to run and stuff like that because I always wanted to do something to change things. So I could either be this way or I could be that way. By the way, what you had studied in China? I studied Mandarin. No, so that was the only degree years you got or? Yeah. Okay, so it's just basically I'm just like, Chinese language. Okay. Yeah. So I had opened up a translation company, stuff like that. Um Yeah. And then that didn't work out because it wasn't making enough money. People wasn't like trying to hire this young girl. And I was always interested in business. I probably worked a job like four months in my life. Mm. So I was always like, okay, if this near I girl. That's how I ended up in construction. Mm, because I, that's why I saw. That's what's why the spoken word surprised me. Because I remember seeing at the time you was sort of doing a lot of project management and yeah, getting into that trade. Field. I was yeah. doing that, but D'Angelo. That's what I was speaking about. D'Angelo mm. actually. Um, I told him that I used to recite poems, and he was like, "Why don't you recite your own poems?" And then he invited me out. I started reciting my own poems. I got obsessed with it. Started practicing it. And then I had a friend that was living with me at the time. And she, um, I used to do all these different voices and stuff, like get off, you know. I have my little African voice, my little American voice. And I used to give them characters. And she was like, oh, why you don't go rap? And I started looking into music then in 2018. And then um, I realized, okay, the poetry was one step. I supposed to be like, a music artist. Yeah. And now we got here. Mm. So was the, because obviously getting into rapping is like, you know, reciting poetry, you know, with different rhyme schemes, mm-hmm. you know, different rhythm, different patterns, getting into different pockets. Like what made you say, wait, I can try this rap thing. Was it more so after like, Going on different tours for the spoken word and saying, okay, I know how to galvanize a crowd or what exactly? No, I I always was good at catching people with poetry because I would recite other people's poetry and people would like leave in tears. Mm. So I was always like really good at stage, mm. but I didn't know anything about music because I didn't grow up with no much, you know, so I had no phone, iPod. I got my first phone in China, you know, so I had like no exposure. So you never had a cell phone? Well, I so you didn't have phone. a cell phone until you went to China? Until I went to China and it was a flip. It was a pink flip. That's how new, that's how green I was, the phone. Mm. It was like this pink Hello Kitty flip. That mm. was my first ever phone. Any other phone that I used, it was one that I borrowed from my dad. Um, and it was like a snake one in mm. the case that he had to like pick me up or something. You know, like the little Nokia one with yeah, the snake? Yeah, with, with, the, with the, yeah. the indestructible ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. So, what like when it what was the day when you decided 
yo, I'm going to start rapping and recording music. <laughs> it's so funny, bro. Uh-huh. It's so funny because it. I was like a little caterpillar in this Western world. I just come back. I didn't know nothing but Instagram, body done, none of this. Lace front, nothing. I didn't know nothing but none of that. I joined Instagram. I started watching Cardi B. Mm. Cardi B didn't blow up yet. Yeah, City well, girls didn't blow up yet. I actually been watching Cardi B from literally 2014 when she used to be like, I like stripping. I'm a strip forever. <laughs> and I'm going to be laying in. I like laying in. I'm, I'm about that. Like, oh, no. Like, you know, like people just knowing about Cardi B when Bodak Yellow came around. But I was on Cardi B from like two years before she blew up. <laughs> like, you know, when she used to make the difference. And then she used to be with Car- Cashflow Harlem. Mm. I like just making like, you know. Different, like, tick, not TikToks, um, vines and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I didn't know her from back then. No, I knew her from back Even I before didn't. she was on Love and Hip Hop, I, <laughs> I was aware of her before even then. Mm-hmm. So, you know. God, do you got that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you saw Curdy. Yeah, I was like, because when I left, people was like, still be. I never saw the point in why people discriminate against strippers and stuff. But you know what I mean? So I left, now I saw on. The people was was making you feel bad for me in the ship when I left. You know, that's 2011. I come back. Mm-hmm. This woman then changed the whole stigma and completely blow. Like I saw, I started seeing her like right before she blows. So I basically study her story and stuff because I used to get obsessed with like artist stories. So Cardi B was the first artist that I looked into and I was like, whoa, this woman. So my damn near changed the world with changing that type of stigma and putting that type of respect on a industry that people didn't put respect on at one point. But I think with her, people loved her story because again, like I said, I watched, I knew Cardi before she came on Love and Hip Hop. Mm-hmm. Love and Hip Hop was, she did it for two seasons and that was its own era. And then like, the, after the second season she was on it, that's when she blew with Bodak Yellow. But I'm mm-hmm. like, I knew her. Because of authenticity, the, yeah. it's really not just Bodak Yellow because she has yeah. so much followers before Love and Hip Hop. Yeah. It's like her authenticity, she brought to light that, listen, y'all might discriminate, but we got stories too. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it was like. And then she was, you know, she had the charisma and the personality. Yeah, and she it was, was just funny. so much, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, you know, she maximized. So that's why potential. they brought on the show. And then on the show, she was even funnier. So like you put a camera on it and yeah. it's like. Yo, it's just still going up. So when the music hit. Then it's like, boom, boom. superstar. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it was easy. like Yeah. Because it was this it was this building fine base. Button she fine had put and, together so much pieces. Yeah. So by the time, yeah, I get what you're saying. Because, see, when the music came, you already had the support. You had five years of support already. Mm-hmm. So you have a hit. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you know, the label don't got to push it. Like, we just got to put the ad dollars behind it to put it on bigger platforms. But you already had the movement before. That's why they saw it, mm-hmm. you know? And then Cardi B only had one album, but she still saw the scene, like, the big acts that have multiple albums. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's where that comes from. That's true. Yeah. So you saw Cardi B, and then you started... Formulating your your brand, you know, you're putting it together. No, I wasn't even there yet. I just thought it was so cool. Mm-hmm. I was so fascinated with it. And then one day, just spitting in the house, I wasn't good at it. And my friend was like, you need to practice. And I was like, but I think I'm going to rap. I was sitting with it for like three, four days. 
I was like, babe, I can rock, babe. And I know it was so far-fetched because people see me doing business. They see me doing this. See me doing yeah, because I be like, <laughs> like, in retrospect, I was like, okay, this is new. But see, I ain't against people um, somewhat um, not reintroducing themselves, uh, recreating themselves, like, because I've done it multiple times mm. in my life. Like, okay, switch directions on how I want to do things, express myself. Because we're going to get one life to live. You see what I said? So it's like, <laughs> if I can recreate myself, I can do it a bunch of times and it can be a bunch of times more because oh. it's like, I might get inspired and want to go in this direction or whatever. And sometimes people might feel like, you get oh, what she, she doing? Yeah. You're supposed to be over here. Don't tell me where I'm supposed to be. Nigga, the fuck. Or are you, you neglecting <laughs> responsibilities or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I'd like, be like, I just decided one day and I went to see my little brother and I was like, bro, I can rock. And he was like, you want to be like Nicki Minaj? You won't be like Gotti B. And I was like, I won't be like it's deep. And he was like, all right, let's ride. Mm. And from that day, I just study music. I study how to make it. I study how to write it. I study what I needed to get it done. And basically built it like a, as if it was a business. I started looking for a team. I started like pushing myself really hard. Cause I didn't drop music when I first started music. I dropped music a year after, like, I was like, wait, I know people can be like, where this girl thinks she coming from. So I'm coming hot. I was saying, cause you know, at the time in the nineties before you came, I like ran through your catalog real quick, and I was like, "She really sounded super polished when she." By the time like, you started putting out music videos and things like that, I practiced and I yeah. studied. Like I was obsessed with it, and I was like, "I gonna do my first one in LA because see me, I know like mm. when you in an industry, bro. Every industry when you come in it, you gotta earn your respect, just like." Um, when I was in the translation game, earning respect, but that was a little difficult because I was so young. Mm. I'm, I was doing trade at the time. So trying to get people to trust you with their money at that time, back then, it was difficult. So I switched over and in construction. I had to earn my respect in this because people will run around you, especially being a female, they'll run circles around you. So with music, it was the same thing. Like you can't go to college and skip class and thank you and graduate. So like, I felt like when I come out, it got to be quality. It got to be hard. It got to hit big. It got to be big budget because I want people to know that it's the has arrived and it, it, it could be crazy, mm-hmm. you know? So. All right. So what was the first song that you ever created to where you feel like, I think I got something. Ego. Mm-hmm. I really thought that song was going to blow. It was my first song. Hmm. So can you go trying to get the jump on me? Mm-hmm. I am funny, pedigree, a pedigree. I had just met Keep, and um, I was determined to make Keep my producer. But I was like, hey, it's got to be my producer. So we made that. Um, Which year this was? This was like 2000. This 18, 19? I met Keep. I met Keith end of 2018, around there. We actually just was counting the years two days ago. That's crazy. It's been mm. like six years. I met him around end of 2018. And I was already listening to his music, though. Mm-hmm. Like 2018, 2019, between that time. Mm. Like first quarter of 2000, somewhere around there. And I was already listening to his beats. And I didn't like his beats. So I was like, wait, this got to be my... But I didn't know he was Bahamian. Mm. And then... 
one of the rappers who I used to go to the studio with at the time, he was like, oh, I guess you will link up with Keaton. I was so excited. I was like, what? I thought he's English, you know? <laughs> <laughs> True, I thought he's from England because I wasn't big on social media. So he yeah. had an English flag in his thing. So I'm thinking he's English. I don't know about all these different things people just do on social media because I'm new to Instagram at this time. Yeah. I don't know nothing about the culture. The marketing and the social media. Yeah, you know? bro. Yeah. So I met him and then we did Ego and I was like, bro, we are in LA to shoot this, dot, 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 dot. And I was like, because I was like, wait, if I build a team, I got to make sure these people know I'm serious and I have a responsibility to be something to believe in. You know what I mean? People ain't going to just take their time out and put time into your craft or be available when you need it to need them to, if you don't inspire them. Mm-hmm. So I just always felt like I have a responsibility to push, like to another level. Let's talk about music business because what I was re- thoroughly impressed with, and you know, I've talked to many, I've been around, well, I am a music artist, but I've been around music artists for a little over a decade now to see like how much it takes to build a brand. And, you know, everybody wants to get signed because it makes that process easier. But, you know, in recent, in the last decade, everybody say, you know, you might as well build it yourself so where you can own it 100%. And, you know, um, a lot of times people just give up because they realize it costs a lot you paying for it yourself, whether it be between studio time, you know, you have a branding manager, you have a talent manager, you have a business manager, you have a booking agent, you got to pay for music videos and that costs a whole lot. Then when you want to pay for features and nobody always doing it for free, so you got to pay for the feature as well as for them to come on your video and then it's wardrobe, it's locations, it's all the production. So those fees add up. Mm-hmm. Take me through the process and how you dealt with all of that. Bruh. I feel like music is something I just always knew I wanted. When I decided I wanted it, I wanted it. And from the first, from the first moment I put time into something, there'd always be like a time where there's a decision or whether we can keep going or we can stop. Mm-hmm. Once you pass that first opportunity to ask yourself, that means you've invested enough time, enough money to say, really question, am I doing this full-fledged or not? Because you've hit that mark as to whether it's time to dead the investment or continue the investment. And I never had that moment with music. I love that moment with hustles. Stuff when I say, I go, you know, I might start selling lashes here. Then it might come and I realize, okay, girls don't really like me that much. So let me sell the lashes wholesale to make about it instead. Because I ain't really a social person. You know what I mean? A social person? I'm not social. I'm not social at all. I'm very, very socially awkward. Before, after we get up through this pause, I can bring up another moment that (laughs) you was involved with that sticks in my mind until the story. Okay, wait. So, but then when it comes to the business, it's like, it's expensive, bro. I know. That's it's, what I'm trying to figure out how. I just why I ask you now how uh, you pull it off. I just hustle. I. Because mm. you have plenty of videos of just remixes of other people's songs yeah. that you have full production for. 
yeah. and things like that. And then you obviously how your brand is is very curated. Mm-hmm. And how you speaking now, you sound like you had, you know, you have a team that helps you with that. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, um, some of the other moves that you made too, when you had Cha Ching Ching and Charlie Black on features, and then you have music videos around the world. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, when I when mm-hmm. I first started, honestly, I like with the money, as a hustler, if I need to get something done, even if it run me to zero, I know by two days later I probably can get up again. Mm-hmm. Then I'm gonna go put it into what I want to put it into. Uh, I could have done a lot of different things with my money, but I really, really want to be, I really, really want to be like a superstar, blow your mind artist. And you can't be that. If you do something, you got to go full fledged. I can't be that without a brand. I can't be that without like making sure I up to par. I can't be that without getting up every day, working out. I can't be that without making sure my mind 100 going to work and my mind ain't 100 unless I'm making money. So mm-hmm. if I'm making money and then I could be miserable because I can't do what I want to do with my music or with life or with my family and stuff like that. So I just do what I have to do <laughs> so I could get it done. Like when I got the job at Bahama, I went there after the, tr- the translation thing because it wasn't making no money, but I just went there to pay my rent for real. So... I had started moving into the construction because mm. my dad taught me construction from a child and he had a company, but he was going to stop. So I just was like, you know, let me rebrand this and see, you know, mm. what the corporate, because he used to do a lot of government work. So, so let me see what the luxury market can say. And then I just did it. I got my first contract after like four months of Arma and I left and they was trying to bring me back, you know, and I just, I couldn't do it. And even when I started music, I was like, I went, I'm very serious, like, about my image. And Mm. I want to be able to, like, really be able to do what I have to do. So when I started music, I knew that when I work out, because I was working out for a long time, and I know I had stubborn areas. I go on and get lipo. This time I didn't know nothing but lipo. You had the laser lipo, you had the suction? No, I had surgery in 2018. Mm. Because I used to have some stubborn fat on my back. Mm. And I'd work out, work out, work out, and it wouldn't go anywhere. But I didn't know plastic surgery was simple as that. You see they saying? Because I was in China. I didn't yeah. know, like, I was in a different universe. That's why I tell you China is a different type of thing. Mm. Unless you keeping in touch. And I ain't a person, I, I'm i not a person good at keeping in touch. Mm. All my friends know that. Like, if we ain't right in each other's face, I can get caught up in, like, the auction of things. And I be working and... Working and working and working, like, yeah. you know what I mean? So I'm a very distant individual, like, at points. So I didn't know nothing about this life. But when I, once I realized it was possible, I was like, but I gotta get life. I didn't get no BBL. Because that's what I was gonna access, like, mm-hmm. man, you might as well get you. No, I didn't want nothing like that. I just wanted to get rid of that stubborn fat, bro. It was annoying. I used to run the hills in China, ride, bike, do all type of stuff. I mean, and I didn't know it was that simple. I was like, wait, what? With, with the weight loss thing, is it just adjustments in diet or you have to experiment with your diet a lot, but a lot of people just be like, why don't you just get this suck out? No, bro. I try so much different things. People will tell you. Mm. All my friends could tell you. I try. I had, and the thing is, when I put, I couldn't like enjoy a burger like regular people. Mm. I'd have to be like on the strictest, strictest diet to stay within. Like, damn, they're hungry, bro. 
just because I had stubborn fat cells in certain areas. So I got like on my arms, my back, and my stomach. And so, from then it was like I never overgrew in those areas. I I happy that you, you know, you willing to give up these things, the life of a superstar. So so after that, I guess you you gain confidence and like showing off your body a little bit more. Not really that. I just want to be able to. I was always a confident person, mm. like very confident. But I won't be able to look a hundred if you catch me on a stage. Somebody catch me at an off guard thing. I just want to look perfect. Mm. Like I don't know. I don't know why people make it like such a big deal. Like I feel like if you had surgery, you had surgery. You I know mean, it's I mean? so commonplace now. It's like it's an investment. I, I told my I always tell my birthday, but I like I never thought I'd be in a day where a regular old me would have to figure out how I can deal with a gal who get a BBL because you take only celebrities can get some something like that. But it's like no, this this. Uh, this, these kind of cosmetic surgeries have become so accessible to the average person. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know how to deal. Sometimes <laughs> I think some yeah. things be a little too much. You yeah. know, me, I only did it to go control my fat. Yeah. I just want to look little, you know, I just want to look, I like to look a little slim, thick type of look. Mm. You know, that's my type of look. But, you know, I don't know BBL though. I couldn't deal with that. Did that too much scary stuff after I read about it? Yeah, because, you know, you know, scary. the quickest way to pop... As a female artist, is, you got that body already. See that? Huh? Yeah, body is important. <laughs> yeah, like, like ain't nobody can make it seem like body is not important. I feel like you could have. I feel like you could love your body. You could have whatever type of body, yeah. and that's great because once you brand yourself, or you want to brand yourself, you know yeah. what I mean. You do what you got to do. Yeah. But the image is important, and if I feel like for me to feel my most popping self, yeah. Yeah, and I did that before I even lay my first track. I just mm. was like, bro, I gonna do music. Listen, let me just knock this out one time. Get in the studio, boom, boom, boom. Because, you know, label can't make me do nothing. I do what I want to do. All right. So tell me how you went about, like, sort of getting collaborations by international artists. Um. The first collaboration was, I think, was East Atlanta, Montana. I did a song with him. Mm-hmm. I I just reach out on Instagram. I'd see people I like, and I'd reach out to them. How much would a feature? Pay the feature. Sometimes I might not be up to pay the feature, so I'll sell something and pay the feature. Mm-hmm. And then I get the song. But I had my team. Like, it ain't really just about the money. I wanted to add that, too. Mm-hmm. Getting these things, like, I have my team. My team, like, they know how hard I was pushing and they know, like, certain things I'll invest. So sometimes, most times, you know, ask me for nothing. You know what I mean? Especially back then, like, I start off sitting on Flow Floor, right? And he used to let me come here. There's Universal Flow? Universal Flow. Okay. That's, like, my dog. That's my big brother. Like, I used to come there. I didn't know number music. And I used to sit on his floor and write. I have my beats. And then after everybody go, I'd be like, Flo, you can record me, please. <laughs> and then he'd be like, Dio, I tired, but I can do it, what you got? And then we'd record it. And yeah, so these people in like people who, these real family, bro, like they, mm-hmm. they really supported my music journey. They was always there for me. Never stressed me for a dime. Mm-hmm. Like I ain't no check to these people. Like, 
they really believed in me and like they still believe in me to this day until we get exactly where we want to be. So yeah, with the international features, once we was able to get the feature, we all get in the studio, we record, we make sure the song 100. When um, I got the feature with Keisha Day, it was COVID time, right? So I my car for that feature. And then I saved and everybody has saved. We all went to Atlanta, shot the video. Met Keisha Day, had a good time. Um, then the, the feature with Charlie Black, that came out of nowhere. We didn't even look for that. We didn't look for that at all because I had just invested in this guy had hit me up, tell me I was going to be able to get um, uh, an EP with Famous Dax had I paid this amount or whatever. Everything seemed legit or whatever. Still to this day, don't know if it's legit, but I say when I blow, blow. I have to find homie. Find out if it was legit for real. Mm. <laughs> but, but yeah, but I was supposed to, and I'd lost a big bag on that. Big bag. So I was a lot to get that. So we, my brother died. Mm. And I had some, I had a job going on at the time, a big renovation, and I had a few. Jamaican guys that was working there. So you also during this whole time do you create the construction side so thriving? Yeah, the construction has to or the career dies. Mm, okay. Yeah, I support myself off the hustles and but my construction company is just an actual company. Mm. And um it's I wouldn't be able to pay for my music. Because people will always wonder, okay, you know, the question is like, how do I fund my music career or any other? Mm-hmm. Side hustle, would you trying to make your yeah, main hustle, but then you need the main hustle to support yourself. To support the side hustle. Yeah. Because you have to invest in side hustle. Side hustles would be small licks stuff. But if you make it if you find ways to make a large amount of money, mm. then you can take pieces of that money and probably buy something small, flip it. Or probably get some stuff that you could sell on the side that keeps making money. Mm-hmm. Um it's a lot of different ways you could flip it. Of course, the whole time it ain't gonna be great because if you if you really like how I really love my music, I burst by on my music, bro. Like you know, and sometimes seasons seasons get low, mm-hmm. like COVID season things are changed. And because um, what I noticed because like I was saying earlier with the whole part of the branding is people seeing that. You're in different parts of the world with different aesthetics. And what you know, a company would when people would be willing to invest into you when they see you highly investing in yourself. In yourself. Yeah, yeah so when you like, push But I do this on my own. So when you come to me when you got a deal, it gotta be bigger than what it I've gotta done. be bigger what I what I could provide for yeah. myself. Cause if I could back a song, I don't see what I sign in you for. Like you gotta be able to give me like way more than that. Mm. Cause yeah. So the Charlie Black, so Jamaicans on your Yeah, the Charlie picture. Black. There was yeah. there was some Jamaicans that was working for me. Um and uh he had heard one of my other guys playing my music and he was playing um the song. He's like, Wait, who that is? Da, 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 da. And in the Jamaican way he asked him. Course. Yeah. And he was like, um, that's boss lady, baby. He said, You lie, you lie. So call me from upstairs. They come downstairs. He said, What's up? See, you know, send me a rap. You know, his name was Bretta. I haven't mm. seen him in a bit though, but he was like, 
yo, you should send this music to Jamaica. You get it on the radio. I was like, at this time, I didn't, you know, I didn't go into a lot because um, the whole situation I where I had lost the funds with the, the rap features. Yeah. And so I trying to get my money up at this point. So he was like, oh, you could um, send the song. So, so he sent it to Jamaica. And we tried it out, but I wasn't putting too much muscle behind it because I didn't. Yeah, because it was in the Renaissance time. You had signed to like, uh, like I guess a branding agency or fucking. No, I wasn't signed. You no. mean the AGA? Yeah. No, I wasn't signed. That was I was that that's hired on marketing. Okay, wait. Yeah, it was, I, I know it's some marketing type. Yeah, of, okay. it's a marketing agency, and mm. I hired them. Okay. And then you become a part of their artists, and they advertise you through. The platforms that they have available hmm. but it's paid okay yeah and um yeah so anyway they send the songs the songs played on the radio and then my brother died and i wasn't really like interested in music like that no more like i was interested but i was just i was only making music about him so i wasn't sure at this point what what my purpose was in life what it was you know justice or if it was music and justice or you know and at this point I'm fled so I'm like bro let me go start with NPO start helping some people you know what I mean because you know this could happen to anybody and that was my mindset at that point I thought music was that was done for me because I was like how can I invest in this and this is going on Mm. you know what I mean so I was at a crossroads and then I got the call I was actually going to work. No, I wasn't going to work. I was home. I was eating Wendy's. And they called me. Because I didn't start eating again, but not wait. <laughs> like, mm. I was dropping stuff. You seeing it from there? Because I was trying to hold on. Trying to hold on. But I was about to go cold turkey, bro. Like, mm. cold turkey. And they called me and they was like, um, it's a guy Biggs on the phone with my current manager, Crab a genius. And he was like, oh, um, they have this song for me to jump on Sunday to Sunday. And they sent it to me. So this time I'm like, what the hell? You know, I fold up my little sandwich. I say, okay, bet we can do this tonight. I call the whole team. I say, y'all, we got to get to the studio. They just called for a feature with Charlie Blocks. And we need to get in the studio tonight because we need to show people we ain't joking. We send this, send this, these verses tomorrow. So all us link up. We go into the studio. We work on the verses. It's tree. We send them tree verses. And they was in, they had just put, because it only had 12 bars initially open for me. Mm. And then when they heard the three verses, they sent it a certain way with one verse. And I called back. I didn't like it that much. So I was like, you know, what if we just put this part, you know, give it a little more life, like spread out my verses. And then the three verses ended up making the track and then the track dropping. All this happened in three months. It's just gone. They they say, come to Jamaica, shoot a video. The whole team, we went to Jamaica. Um, we shot the video and dropped the song. The song gone crazy. And that was that. Mm. Then I moved into a different genre that I had to accept. So what, what <laughs> genre? By the way, who are the members of your team currently? Currently? Yeah. All right. So we have... Um, Keith Sands, Universal Flow, mm-hmm. Shivato Smith, Rihanna Sims, Reese Burrows, Crab Genius, um, 
Anthony Smith. Um, um, Reno, the camera guy. Um, Reagan from mm. Six Seven Multimedia. Mm-hmm. Um, Shakita and Dina from Prim and Pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, the hair plug staff. She's my lace girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked closely um, as well with makeup artists, um, Yoles and Clyde. Um, I consider like everyone a part of the team because sometimes like, sometimes like I would have like, I have a horrible schedule. So mm-hmm. even with glam, mm-hmm. people like, People show up like they'll take me at 5 a.m. in the morning. So Petra, she's my lash girl. <laughs> she would take me like five o'clock if I have a video. She'd take me any time of the day if I call her. Um, then there's Tom. He's my videographer. One of my videographers this is actually four on the team. Tom's from England. And then Sharn, she is one of my stylists. Okay. So it's a pretty, pretty big team. Mm. Looking for a DJ though. Mm. Oh, Jamie. She's my dancer. Okay. So, the car came through, the record blew out. So, what made you get into more of a poppier genre? Because, do you, how do you feel about genres more becoming amalgamated to where they're more moods than actual distinct genres? Um, I don't know. I was having a little time with um, distinguishing that same question. Like, how do I, you know? Because I think music becoming so blended. Yeah. Like, you know, especially like, okay, like one of my favorite genres right now is Afro beats, but then you hear like a Burner Boy mix 90s R&B with that same bounce. And it's like, it's all, like it's still Afro beats, but then it's still this era in the R&B. A, so a vibe. it's like, yeah. you know, it's more like vibey than genre. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, okay, I want to be in an up-tempo mood, down-tempo, chill type of mood, the real type of mood, happy, you know, what kind of what kind of emotional, on emotional spectrum I'm trying to be, almost. I think that'd be considered, like, I think it of a genre, because I actually learned the genre when I did Sunday to Sunday. Okay. And it's actually the international genre. It's actually existed way before it became popular now. And I think that is crazy that it actually becoming one of the most popular styles of music at the time that I blow during during the era, which is great. Um, So it's almost like if you think about songs like um, Come Mr. DJ Stump on the all of that is international style music. Like even um, Charlie Black um, song, that goes on party animal. Like it's not dancehall mm. and it's not Afro and it's not soca, mm. but everybody just loves it. You know what I mean? But I glad you you brought up those two because the party animal record came out like 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then comes to DJ is like 0405. Um, but it yeah. was only so many of those tracks that were getting yeah. the recognition. So even like you have the song that has Julian Reed in it. Mm. Um, the one that goes um um, like that's international because it switches. So, 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 um, 
Akon's song, um, I think Soul Survivor. Mm-hmm. When you were saying that, so is it international genre. Okay. So where you see, uh, I guess you're going to be sort of going into more of making this sort of music or? Mm-hmm. I, right now I'm working on a tape. It's going to be dropping mm-hmm. the end of September. Um, it's called Princess of the Islands. And I call it that because the Princess of the Islands, like I, when I think about it in my head, it's a sound mm-hmm. that kind of came out of nowhere, if you know what I mean. So I'm still a rapper. I don't know if people get disappointed because people just be asking me when you drop in, you drop in rap music. But um, I feel like this sound... Through the rap, I got the opportunity with the Sunday to Sunday song. And then the sound was born and the sound went crazy. You know, and people loved the sound. I followed it up with All Night. All Night went crazy. That skyrocketed, which created a loophole for my rap music to then skyrocket. And then um, Low Mileage with Renee 630, that also charted on multiple charts in Apple. TikTok damages, crazy, anytime, crazy. Everything that I've dropped in the international genre has hit charts. So um, the Princess of the Islands to me is kind of a sound that just birthed itself. It didn't really, it wasn't nothing deliberate. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It wasn't nothing deliberate. So I feel like I've been battling a lot as an artist as to whether I want to be a rap or I want to be the Princess of the Islands. But you could do both because, like I say, music is becoming so blended. It's like you could go in and out. And I think like artists like like Drake, for instance, because when he put an album, it's, you're pulling from dancehall, you're pulling from UK grime, you're pulling from Afrobeats, you're pulling from this to where it gets to a point to where I just want to make music. However I feel, I just want to put out. Mm-hmm. So it don't matter what genre I stick in. I'm just, even then when he put out um, the the house music album, mm-hmm. and I love that album. Mm-hmm. I know others <laughs> who I know don't like it, but it's like, bro, I love that. Because sometimes I be in that mood and I hate going to parties where it's just one genre. I don't care yeah. what genre. You mix DJ, I can put it in. DJs. Mix up the genres. I don't want to hear just one genre. Give me all the genres. I want to get on a roller coaster, like, you know, mm-hmm. through different vibes. That's I, true. Like, so, and I, that's why I say I think music going to more mood-based than genre-based. Than just genre-based. Yes, because it's like, you're going to pull elements. Everybody's pulling elements from different things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's all almost going to be in one sort of gumbo, like they like to say. That's true. But when you like growing as an artist, like if you're just an artist that's like just growing. Yeah. Um, it's not always the best thing to slap them with everything at once. You could do of that course. when you're just starting. And then for me too, because I didn't even know how to make this type of music. I don't I never even used to listen to this type of music, bro. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like this acceptance of okay, you are going to learn how to do this. Like, you know what I mean? You can, because it happened so fast. It was like three months. Hmm. One minute I was making rap music and the next minute I was in Germany performing this type of music. So Hmm. it happened so fast. So like, I don't know. I feel like 
what I realized too, because I was still dropping the rap after I came back and I realized the people that are looking for that type of music, they hungry. So, because I have nothing out. So I need to perfect this and make this, give this everything that I have as an artist and find my place to where my heart connects to this type of music. You know what I mean? And now I feel like I've gotten there. So I'm really, really excited about the tape. Um, Because I was never a singer. So it's like... Do you really have to be a singer to... Yeah, no, I, don't, but, I, don't, I don't feel like you have to be a excellent singer, like a blower, like you can hit all our different octaves. Yeah, and, you know, you could do that. I but think not if you could harmonize. However, <laughs> uh, because like when you came in, I was playing Travis Scott, and some people say they don't like Utopia because it ain't like Astroworld, where he was mm. harmonizing through certain breaks. But he ain't no singer, but it's like again vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's what like, I said. Like, yeah. I wasn't like, not really so much a singer, you know, because I ain't really a singer, singer now. I, be I be hitting notes now. Yeah. But it's just if you pull up my stuff from the topics yeah. to straight, just the energy is completely like the rap. You have to remember the time I was on with that rap music. It was like yeah. peace more type of energy. So it's a different connecting to music as an artist isn't just about like, you know, going and making the music. Uh-huh. It's also about finding that vibe within yourself because I, people always say I cuss too much and I get my music from before. It's still hard as fuck. Man. You see what I'm saying? But it's a different type of energy I had to tap into. It's like, even with this type of music, I found a different part of myself, like femininity, sex appeal, stuff like that. You just stopped before I know it's gangster shit. So <laughs> like, it's a totally different vibe. Like you say, it's uh, a vibe. Not yeah. really so much, you know, it's it's a softer side to me. Mm. So the princess of the islands, that's why like I call it a sound. It's so much like it's a sound that kind of like just come out of me. What was the reception like when you performed overseas? Like in Germany and things like that? It was, it was crazy, bro. Mm. Like goddamn people were singing the song. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Like it was it was crazy. It was crazy. Like people was like it's like this big crowd and people. I like was, was the crowd at like five thousand, ten thousand? It I think in Germany it was about it's probably about like I think he had told me it was like fifteen. Fifteen thousand? Yeah. Okay. I think so. And then the one in there was one in Sweden that was like Probably about like 4,000. But the one in Germany really catch me in Cologne. That was crazy because when I came out, like people was jamming the song because the song had gone, the song had like skyrocketed. And when people on that side of the world, they they's be looking for this type of music, just like we be over here looking for rap. Mm. So when the songs drop, they hearing it. And I see in the numbers, and even though I can't see the support like directly in front of me, yeah. it's people out there that like actively listening to me. So. No, but I think that's why I say back to the travel thing, right? Because I realized this when I went to some conventions in the past couple of months. It's like, you feel like at home, you ain't seeing what you're seeing until you touch the road and you're like, oh, what I doing in my little bubble affecting out there like exactly how I wanted to, but I don't feel it directly until I take that trip. And then you see, okay, yeah, I on the right course. Okay, I need to pivot like this. Because mm-hmm. so, people is ignore success down here with artists. I, think I feel they, like artists don't get there. Yeah, I mean, that's it. In every place, it's like 
especially in the Bahamas, is like you got to blow away from here first. Mm-hmm. And then... But even yeah. if you do that, because you have a lot of artists, like I feel like you have a lot of artists who making waves in the industry. And the hmm. Bahamas is talking about this whole green economy and oh, stuff orange like orange economy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, yeah it's the orange economy. So I just feel like it, sh- it should be in your interest to do your research yeah, on but- the artists that are hitting the numbers. Like, yeah. Because that is what economically benefits the country. Indeed. You find the people that are hitting the numbers and you back where the real work was put in. And that's not to like really knock anybody. I just feel like the culture of music would be respected more in the Bahamas. Like people wouldn't be all like, you know, I do music on the side. Like, you know, people... Some one time I walked up to this guy. He was like, "Yeah, he's a little artist too." I was like, "Bro, don't call yourself no little artist." Do you mean mm. like mm. he's a big artist? Do you mean you know what I mean? Just the culture of the way we think when it comes to certain things. But that's why I feel like you broke the stigma on how to do it because it's like exactly how you did it is how it's supposed to be done. Like, okay, I got a team. I have to invest. I got to look at it as a business. So, and I can't think small about it. Mm-hmm. And then when I need to pivot. I need to pivot just how you pivot from rap to the international genre. Mm-hmm. All right, this making more sense. Yeah, I might like this, but if this going right now, we got to milk this to get where we need to go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just understanding, having that understanding, having that business mindset to where, you know. I'm sorry. No, you good. You get it out on the camera. <laughs> I can hear it. <laughs> That's true. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh? If if no, it no, make no, noise, you, 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 you tell me what. No, you can okay. get it. That's so it's not like crackling, crackling. I hear it's fine. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it's a fun, yes. I just wanted to make sure it was okay. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Then so, you can't. I can't use it or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, listen, I've told you like it's been a bunch of times where I've jumped from the roof and this happened. It's just the chaos that makes this thing. But mm. that's why I created. A platform like every cool and original people network is to highlight this because there's so much information that the general Bahamian public don't know. To where you have people of the soil doing major things overseas and no one knows about it. No one can't understand it. I could I could list off a tons of people. Mm-hmm. And they have I interviewed them before and they're doing all kinds of things. I have like comic books from a Bayman that's right inside there. What he's selling off of Amazon, I order it, and it's like, yeah, like, the Maharaj should get hyped for this thing. Wow. I know it, so it's my duty to put it out there, make people aware. So, mm-hmm. you know, same thing with you doing. You're doing big shows in Germany, but it's like, these things are so inconceivable by the average mind. They don't know how. But I can recognize, okay, she did this, she doing this, she doing this. This is what you need to do. And that's, that's how you, and then when you start traveling and start taking it serious and looking at it as a business, building a network and building connections, that's how you can blow or at least get some moderate success, mm-hmm. you know? So what's next for you, Dia? What's besides the project EP, are you going to go on tour soon? Um, you know, maybe some label signings or some record deal maybe from an indie situation mm. or you can't talk about that right now that i can't talk about right now but okay, okay. i can talk about 
the Princess of the Islands. Okay, so when, when, <laughs> when, when is dropping that? It's dropping the end of September. Um, and we are planning. We are planning a tour. We okay. haven't decided whether it's going to be winter or summer because the tape is coming out at the end of September. So we'll see how. In the fall season. Yeah, it's the fall season. So. Yeah, the tape is coming out. It has big hits on it. I'm super, super excited about it. Um, Mash Roach is dropping in two weeks. It is a track with myself and Busy Signal. Uh, we actually shot the official video in Rawson Square. The whole tourist vibe, John Canoe. It's crazy. So it could be dropping in two weeks. Okay. Very excited. Two yeah. weeks of this recording. I know when I can put this out, but yeah. it should be out by the time this drops. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> yeah. it should be out. So go stream it everywhere. Yeah. yeah. But thank you again for, you know, joining us, even though, you know, it took a while, but, you know, we make it happen mm-hmm. regardless. But, you know, I wish you the best and more success. And, you know, hopefully, Probably within a year, we come back and sort of reconvene this conversation into how everything else is doing and how, you know, the touring and every other situation. Because I always wish the best for most behemoth artists. And I support behemoth artists as being, you know, behemoth artists, not necessarily our musical, but I understand that grind and, you know, everybody used to this traditional way of getting things. And when you start doing things that they never could imagine, they can't figure it out because it's like are you are you close to someone doing something so spectacular you feel like that's so out of reach but you sure and I showed them that that it, this is attainable you just got to do x y and z and especially with the internet making everything you know being a big equalizer of that you know it's just you just got to do it mm-hmm. you know but i thank you so much thank you for having me this has been a good one it has <laughs> and with that we can see y'all later next time on everything cool road to 100 and we out yeah you see that was lit <laughs> <laughs>